talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Thursday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Maurice and Nathan Baird are going five hours today. We went three on the last pod. Nathan, can we do it? Yes, we will do it. Okay. So I think we owe it <laughs> we'll to We'll keep people. it under three hours. You can keep talking at some point. I will not be yeah. here for three hours. Nathan's going to live his life and eat his dinner and see his baby and his wife. So we're going to do a normal podcast today. As you guys know, this is my last week at Cleveland.com. It's my last week on Buckeye Talk. Go back and listen to the gigantic cry fest that I dropped on Wednesday. Nathan and I want to talk about what's the thing that we call it? Football. Because Nathan, I think we need to discuss, I, I want to get sort of on the record on this in this place, you and Steven and anybody else that's going to be on Buckeye Talk going forward, because of course this pod and the Ohio State coverage at Cleveland.com will live on and flourish, have plenty of time to talk about this. So we're not marking anything down. It's not market down last week stuff, but it's a discussion about Ohio State and the national title. And it's a discussion of what do they have to overcome to have a chance to do this? And I am interested primarily, and it almost, I can't remember. I'm officially just all over the place this week because I'm doing things as I'm leaving Cleveland.com. I'm doing things as I'm preparing to go somewhere else. I'm still doing my job. So my head's all over the place. I can't remember. Did we just do a thing about, Ohio State National Championship chances and whether the things holding them back would be more internal or external? Did we do that? No, Nathan and I, Stephen and I did the threats thing, right? And that was a discussion of some specific things. Some were internal, some were external. Aha, that. Did you listen to that one? I didn't. Okay, that's okay. Uh, I'm going to listen to you will guys at some point. I have that's not okay. yet. That's okay. It's okay. It's a... So that's where that came up. Internal and external threats to Ohio State. Hey, what if they lose something? What if they don't do something well? Versus, hey, what if another team does something well that prevents Ohio State from getting where they want to go? I want to have a version of that discussion specifically about this team, Nathan. And when we think about it, what is it? that are the things on the list that Ohio State has to take care of to have a chance this year. So we're not going to conclude, are they going to win the national title? You and I are not going to make a national championship prediction, even though on our final college football survivor show, Shahan and I did do that, <laughs> did do that. So you guys, maybe I will make a prediction because I don't want to like only do it there. I'll just tell you, Shahan picked Ohio State to win the national title this year. I can't, I gave it away. I just drove the ratings for the final. The College Football <laughs> Surprise Show actually might live on as well. Just won't have me on it. Just drove the ratings for that right through the basement. Everyone's like, well, that's the big reveal at the end. And Doug just gave it away on Buckeye Talk. You should have just said someone picked Ohio State to win the National Championship. They'd at least have to listen to find out who. Now they have to yeah. listen to find out who you picked, though. I know, but I think I'm going to give that away, too. But maybe not like right now. So the point is this. I went through, I've covered 18 seasons of Ohio State football. In one of them, they won the national championship. And another one, they had no chance to win the national championship because their season exploded. So the other 16 years, the categories I made, Nathan, were internal flaws, something that was, they didn't do well enough, that that really was a primary reason why they didn't win the national championship. Another category was opponents, somebody they played. I I didn't get theoretical on the opponents very much. I didn't say like, 
well, even if they had made the national title game, they weren't beating Deshaun Watson that year. You know what I mean? I, I, I kind of stuck to the things they actually faced. And then the other category was sort of luck, injuries, things that are honestly outside of their control that really had an impact on their national title hopes. And so in no year did I check off all three boxes. In many years, I did check off two of the three. And in some of the years, I only checked off one. So we're going to have a discussion along those lines. Let me ask you, do you think in totality in those 16 seasons that I checked off more internal flaws? There was just something about the team that wasn't good enough or more external. They just ran into an opponent that stood in their way. What do you think? I felt has happened more often since I started covering the team in 05. That's a great question. Because I think I would say just in the playoff era, it's definitely been internal prior to that though, where you're talking about the, uh, what the end of the trestle era um, converting into the first years of the Meyer era. Um, I, it might, that might not be the case. So I'm trying to think of in, in totality though, in totality, I would say maybe you checked off more internal because I think it has just been more frequent that, uh, especially just these last couple of years, it's really, that that has really been hit hard, I think. So one of the things is, if I felt like there was an internal thing that derailed you, that prevented you from even getting to Bama, that prevented you from even getting to Clemson, then I didn't right. mark down external for that. Right. So internal may have precluded you from having an external. So internal was more. In the 16 years, I wound up with 12 out of 16 had something internal. Eight out of 16 had something external. And three out of 16 had something related to luck, injuries, sanctions, things that kind of wasn't their fault. So why don't we start with, since you've been on the beat, and we can discuss 19, 20, 21, 22, and then I'll go back in the history books a little bit, and then we'll dive into what we think about 2023. So let's start with 2019. We've done versions of this as we've talked about sort of national championship things, as we've talked about, you know, some retalkable things and just like different, like the the crushing losses, right? That's where you and I had a big discussion about this, the losses you would change. So in 19, I don't want to get bogged down in, you know, LSU was waiting there, whatever, I don't know. But like just your, like if you were making this chart for 2019, your first year on the beat, would you check internal? Would you check an external team? Would you check luck, injuries, kind of stuff like that? Or would you check multiple? I would check external team, I suppose, but not Clemson, the team that they lost to. Really, there was nothing standing between that team and getting it shot to win a national championship. It just didn't win that semifinal game. It was just one of those results that happened. But I think if you were to look at it on paper, you would say LSU probably wasn't losing to anybody that year. So even if they'd gotten to play LSU, they were probably going to be the runner-up. And I did feel like that, that Ohio State team in 2019 had something that was like, uh, I don't know. I now in that moment, did they not convert enough in the red zone? Did the shot you could throw in 
the Sean Wade targeting, potentially, I, if you wanted to, you don't. We're not going to have another targeting discussion. Because that's not, you are in control of whether you lower your head when you make attack to some yes. degree, right? Correct. So that's a football play. I agree with you. Let's not throw that into the like, oh, let's say all the So that's probably right. Would Would you consider anything, though, that there was a flaw in that 2019 team? Like in that individual game, yeah, when it would have been good to execute a little bit better in the moment. But did you think there was something about that team that held them back? No. I mean, that's the best team. That's the best Ohio State team that I've seen since I've been here. And I think top to bottom, it's one of the most it's one of the most talented and most balanced in talent that Ohio State's really ever had, right? I mean, you talk about how defensively proficient that team was and um and how balanced it was on offense with with so many passing weapons yet also being so uh like a, just a punishing ground attack so no I, I i don't think i would say it was anything other than they probably weren't going to beat i don't know anybody was going to beat lsu they were probably the team that was most poised to be the best runner-up to lsu if that's any kind of damning with faint praise or praising with faint damnation i don't know and then they just they just had a bad loss. They just had the they just had some bad execution at the wrong time. And when they did have the moments when they didn't execute, they were playing a good team that took advantage of it. And Trevor yeah, Lawrence and, started to run, and, and Clemson's talented, and Clemson made him pay. Even if you wanted to extend this to like, well, like compared to the teams that have come after that, the receiving talent was maybe a step below. Still, I mean, you had young Chris Olave and young Garrett Wilson, who were still Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And Austin Mack and Ben Victor uh, got NFL opportunities. It wasn't like it was a wasteland in that room. So, I mean, that even if that was like the one thing you were trying to, to, to complain about, really, that was just a great team that if it had existed a year earlier and it could collectively like that, might have been a national championship team. So I agree with that. I did not mark down anything internal, and I did not mark down anything luck or injury-related. I just said external, Clemson, LSU, however you want to think about that. So 2019, we agree, it's external. 2020, COVID year, a little whacked out. They lose the national championship game to Bama. What would you check there? And this is a little more complicated, I think. I'll be curious. Well, go. Where would you, well, of the three categories, what would you check? I think you could say the same, the external thing, because maybe that Bama team was just a monster that wasn't going to be beaten. How much you want to also check a box for COVID, I think it's fair, but everybody to some extent dealt with it. I think it's, though, the box you would check would maybe not be COVID. It would be the Big Ten response to COVID that ultimately, you know, they had to play a shorter season. Things were a lot more disjointed for Ohio State than they were for Alabama or even for Clemson, who they beat in the playoff semifinal. And it cost them players down the stretch in a way that it wasn't costing Alabama players in the national championship game. So I think it would be fair, even though it was something everybody had to deal with, I think it's fair to check that box. I don't think that... If COVID never happened, Ohio State would have won the national championship that year. Exactly. Right. So I think you could check COVID. It's I didn't put a put a separate global pandemic box, but like in the big lump of like that's almost happened. I I think you could check it. I think you make a compelling case for checking it. I didn't. So let me ask you this. Would you check a flaw 
Would you look at the 2020 defense and be like, man, eh, that wasn't good enough. That was at least to some degree on them, their own failure. Yes, there were definite cracks that we had could have pinpointed early in that team's pass defense that it, they definitely missed the pass rush absence that once Chase Young left, nobody really filled that void. And then the secondary was sort of the beginning of a pretty bad downturn um, that kind of extended into 2021, obviously. So I think you would say that there were internal flaws that were, especially considering who they were going to play was going to keep them from being able to win a national championship, even though you would point to the defense being, pretty good actually against Clemson and one of the reasons why they won that game so convincingly I only checked opponent I only checked it like Bama was too good because they got there and they sort of survived their shortcomings on defense for much of the year anyway I think there are compelling cases for the other ones do you think I'm wrong if I only check external opponent for 2020 no, because that offense actually was so good, although it didn't really show up against Alabama when it had to. That was a big factor of why that game went the way it did. But if you take away the monster Alabama and replace it with even some other Alabama team from the Saban era, maybe even one that has won a national championship, I think that game is a lot closer. It's more competitive. It's a game that Ohio State could win. So I think it, it, it kind of goes back to what you are saying before. Sometimes it could be multiple things, but if one thing... <clears throat> If one thing is true, then you don't need to check the other boxes. Okay. So in 19 and 20, I checked just the external opponent. Ohio State wasn't perfect, but it it didn't feel like quite the same as like there's just something blowing a hole in their chances. 2021, the early loss to Oregon, then the loss at Michigan. I checked two things here. I checked an external opponent in Michigan that Michigan's good. And it doesn't mean that Michigan was unbeatable, but it wasn't like Ohio State just laid an egg. Michigan also took that game from Ohio State. So I, so I think you have to check that. And then I also did check an internal flaw here, and I did check the defense. When you end up demoting the defensive coordinator in the middle of the year, and you, give, you, know, you have that game against Tulsa where the defense still can't stop anybody, and you just feel like a whole side of the ball – is on uncertain footing for the whole season, it felt like, I don't know, like this could be a thing coupled with a really good opponent, but also Ohio State was doing it to itself. So that's how I looked at 2021. What do you think of it? No, you you have to check internal. And I think you could make an argument for whether you would only check internal because if the defense is in a better position to start that year. Maybe they don't lose to Oregon. And even if they lose to Michigan, are they still in a compelling place to argue for playoff inclusion? Do they get the two big 10 teams in a year earlier than they did? I think you could make that case. Um, and it's, but at the same time, um, I, I also don't know revisionist history. Like what would you have done? Would you have fired Kerry Combs coming off of the national championship game. Like, I don't think that was the way to go either. That was just one of those things that I think they tried to fix it and just didn't get it fixed in time. So they had to do as best they could on the fly. So we'll both definitely agree. There was an internal thing in 21. And then I think depending how you want to view Michigan and some of the circumstances, we both agree Michigan's good, but was it really more about 
the internal thing and Michigan isn't quite Bama or LSU we're talking about. So I did check both. I did check mix it, Michigan external as well, but I think there's a conversation there. 2022, what would you check? Internal, external, and then the luck injury intangible kind of box. I think you would have to check luck injury intangible. And uh, because of how things played out in the national championship game, because it's going to be one of the great what ifs if they have healthy running backs, um, if they have Marvin Harrison Jr. for the second half, if they have Cade Stover for the final three quarters, any one of those things changes the complexion of a one-loss game a lot. I don't think there was anything systemic that this team couldn't overcome, because obviously it was right there. They're one point away from being Georgia, and everyone kind of agrees outside of uh, Texas that if if they had won that game, they were going to be the favorite to win the national championship and probably would have. Um, and I there was nobody that was unbeatable. Even Michigan wasn't unbeatable for Ohio State. That was just a, one of those games that, again, didn't go the right way. So it's interesting. This is Georgia. This is two-time national champion Georgia. And you and I agree, there's not an opponent thing in 2022. There is not a team that you go, well, I don't know what they're supposed to do. What could Ohio State have done? We say that about Georgia because we know what they could have done. They were right there. So this is one of the three in the 16 years where I have luck and injuries, which we've all covered, which is Cade Stover trying to hurdle and getting flipped and leaving the game and winding up in a hospital, which is Marvin Harrison Jr. not playing in the fourth quarter after a, a, a play that maybe could have been called targeting, maybe not, but it winds up Marvin Harrison Jr. is out for the game, and that's huge. On top of Mayan Williams tries but can't really go, Trevion Henderson is out. They're just missing so many people. And we've talked about that a lot. So I do think that's absolutely one that you check. I did also check an internal box, though. I did not check an external box. But for 2022, I also checked the defensive breakdowns that they had against Michigan and Georgia that are just like, what is happening there? Coupled with they, I don't think, put themselves in a position to play their best game against Michigan in the regular season. I think there was some the stuff that Ryan Day has talked about that we've covered on this podcast that I do think there's a version of Ohio State that can beat that Michigan team and didn't, and Ohio State itself is responsible for some of the reasons why it didn't happen. So for 2022, I checked two of the three. I checked the internal flaw and the injury luck component, but I did not check opponent. Would you disagree with checking the internal flaw in 2022? Yeah, I think I would just because I don't think as much as there was a, a, a clear uh, issue with the explosive touchdowns a in the Michigan game, that was um, kind of inflated by the fact that the offense didn't do anything in the second half. And you can't say there was a systemic problem all season with the offense because of, of what it did production-wise all year and what it did production-wise against Georgia. I, I think that if you could, I suppose, maybe, and this gets back to an argument that you and I have sort of had in passing about how much there was an internal sort of mental block just about the Michigan game. And if you want to take it that far to say there was either within the locker room, within the coaching staff, collectively something there was a glitch there was a a a glitch in the matrix whatever that just wasn't everything wasn't firing the way it was supposed to for that game 
I suppose I could see that, but it, losing that game wasn't what prevented them from winning a national championship either. Like they were still in the playoff. They still were head to head with Georgia. So I, I think I would still lean towards just checking the, the one box that all of the, nothing was holding them back. They, all of the, all of the, the characteristics that you would want of a national championship team were there. And most of them got displayed on the field against Georgia. I mean, yes, they gave up some big touchdowns. They also got some big touchdowns against a really good defense. Like at that level, I, there's going to be some back and forth there. So we're in a world then where in your four seasons covering Ohio State, you would say in three of the four years, there was not something internal on the team that prevented them from being a national championship team. The one year is the year when the defense is enough of a problem. They are The cornerback play is a problem. Joe Moorhead, the Oregon offensive coordinator, takes advantage of it early on. It leads to a coordinator change. It's unusual. I, I actually don't know this answer, how often – a play caller on either side of the ball has been changed midseason in Ohio State history. I cannot imagine it's very frequent. So that tells you right there. So definitively 21, there's something wrong. But 19, 20, 22, you and I debated 22. For the most part, this team in the last four seasons, as we're getting ready to discuss this for 2023, has on its own in a vacuum with normal luck and injuries been there been ready been as good as it needed to be to be a national championship team does that surprise you that that's what we're determining here or are you like no i i'm aware of my own surroundings i've been covering this team i know they're good what are you talking about well no i mean i think that one month period or however long it was between the Michigan game and the Georgia game is what defines this team coming into this next year. It was clearly for whatever reason, couldn't put it on the field against Michigan, but figured some things out, even in a compromised way. I mean, not having Henderson, having a very limited Mayan Williams, uh, some other things go wrong, even coming into that game, they figured enough out that they could then go toe to toe with the team that was going to win it all had won it all themselves the year before. So I think that is what I'm most eager to see about this team. And there's some big differences, obviously. You're changing the quarterback, and it's a person that hasn't been in that situation before that's going to now have to lead this team back there. That's a huge difference, and maybe that's enough of an X factor that this isn't a fair comparison. But everything else you're saying is true, that this is largely the nucleus of a team that was one point away from being the de facto national champion when you look at it in in retrospect and that should probably mean something into how they approach this season there should be some self-confidence in the fact that they were right there on the precipice and that one break here or there goes their way they're the ones that have the storybook ending and um, it should also mean something just in terms of the experience that they went through last year and the lessons learned that they now get to try to carry into this year and I mean that as much for Ryan Day as I do for the 85th guy on the roster. Okay. I'm going to run through the other pre Nathan Baird years and just give you a quick look, but I'm going to do that at the end. Let's dig into this team. What we think could be the things in 2023 that do or don't exist. We'll do that next on Buckeye talk. All right, back Doug Lamarie's Nathan Baird. As you guys know, it's my last week at cleveland.com. My last week on Buckeye talk, the podcast goes on. The tech subscription service continues, 614-350-3315. If 
Big Ten Media Days next week in Indianapolis, Wednesday and Thursday. The Cleveland.com preseason poll coming out next week. Nathan gathering those ballots right now. Lots of stuff that's going to start percolating. I think Big Ten Media Days is a really good time, Nathan, to be a tech subscriber because Ryan Day is talking, Marvin Harrison Jr., JT Tuimolowau, Cade Stover are talking, Jim Harbaugh is talking, James Franklin is talking, other people that, that matter to Ohio State fans, and bing, bang, boom, you'll get the stuff as it's happening. You won't have to go search for it. You'll hear the most interesting, most important things as they are being said. And again, if you've never tried the tech service, you can try it and then bail if you don't like it. After it's a two-week free trial, you type stop to get out. Or you can be like, oh, I like this instantaneous information for a buck a week because it's four bucks a month overall. Maybe I'll stick around. But this, you know, sometimes in the off season, Nathan, with the pod, with our coverage, with the tech service, it just happens sometimes. Some people are like, I don't know if I need it in May. You know, spring football's sure. over, whatever. There's always stuff happening and we're always texting about stuff and we're potting about stuff. But all the things tick up. And like, guess what? The season's starting. This is the like unofficial official start of the season. SEC media days are taking place right now. Pac-12 media days are at the end of this week. The Big 12's already gone. Big 10's next week. ACC's next week. Like, get on board. Here we go. Yeah, as we've always okay. said, it's, it's a good time. Like, right before next week, maybe we'll give you the reminder um, on the pod early next week. Because if you sign up, let's say, I don't know, Tuesday, you'll get everything that we're it's going to be a fire hose of stuff on Wednesday from all the Ohio state people. And then Thursday at big 10 media days. And then the following week. So in, inside your two week free trial, the following week is the start of preseason camp on Thursday, August 3rd. And we believe we're, I think we're expected to have media access to at least that Thursday practice, if not also the Friday practice right after that. So what we're seeing on the field comes to you guys um, as soon as we see it, basically, as soon as we're, you know, within the agreements we make that we can text about it. So, again, just a great time to try that two-week free trial if you never have. And it's so easy to quit. It's so easy to quit. We, we don't, as Doug has mentioned before, we don't make you jump through a bunch of hoops. You try it for two weeks, and you just say, stop. And you stop. And you stop. You said it's easy to quit, and it like made me have a knot in my stomach. Thanks, man. <laughs> it's easy to quit, Doug. Doug, will you remain a Buckeye Talk text subscriber? Uh, if I can keep it for free, yes, because I have a free time. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw three ninety nine a month at you guys. Come on, man. I'm going to keep the, I'll keep the ship floating. Yeah, yeah of course. Text about you every once in a while just to make, just to see, just to test it. No, that's a really good way. You should also do that uh, on the pod just to see. I wonder if he's listening today. <laughs> just, be, just some, just some, just some, yeah, just some little things we slip in there every once in a while. Because I like don't know if you know this about Paris, me. like some people. And see if you respond. Not, I am not one that would be good. <laughs> that'd be good. Yeah, that would be a good thing if you made like the shorthand for, well, something is ridiculous, but at least it's not eating Pizza Hut in Paris. Like it's not that <laughs> ridiculous. That's just the way that you express things out. I'm not one to let slights go by unnoticed. So yeah, that's a good way to check if I'm listening and if I'm getting the text. We'll just, so we'll, we'll term something listening. a lamerese. We'll term something a I'll dud. be talking. And everyone will know exactly what it means. I'll be like, well, that was yeah. a Doug. And everyone listening will be like, yep. <laughs> really yep, dug that, that up. That was. <laughs> um, 
Survey questions from our loyal tech subscribers. Many, many, many answers. Rate how you feel about Ohio State's chances to win the national title this season on a scale of 1 to 10. 10 is very high. I think they'll win it. 1 is no chance. What do you think this rating came in at, Nathan? Now, I'll, I'll, and I'll give you a clue. No 1s or 2s. There's nobody who spends their life listening to this pod and texting and paying for this that's like, it's over. It's over before it starts. They cannot win the national championship. No ones and twos. What do you think the average vote was? I think it's got to be pretty high because there isn't a super team. And I think people look at this on paper and say, Michigan's going to be good, but it's not an unwinnable game by any means for Ohio State. So I'm going to say like 8.1. It's actually a little lower than I thought it would be. Hmm. And it is 7.62. And we can get into this because the the most popular answer was eight. There were more nines than sevens. There were more sixes than tens. And then there were a not a not insignificant amount of five, fours, and threes. I, I want to get into why why that was, but let's answer a couple other questions first. Based on talent and coaching and not the schedule or other outside factors, right? You're talking about the players and the coaches, who the Buckeyes are, not who they play. Of course, who they play matters, but I'm trying to figure out how good you think they're going to be. How do you expect this season's Ohio State team to compare to last season's Ohio State team, right? So we understand what we're talking about here. We're not trying to fold in, well, they got to play four real games. We're not trying to fold in how good you think Michigan or Penn State are going to be, all those kind of things. We're not trying to fold in Sam Hartman at Notre Dame. Very similar. Better this season, better last season. What do you think won, Nathan? Well, I think very similar one. I think the 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 interesting question, more interesting question might be which of the other two had more votes. So I agree with that. Very similar did win 47%. Of the other two, the two ends, as you said, that's more interesting. One about doubled the other. Which one do you think won of those two? Better this season, better last season. I th- I'll say better last season one, only because you had the certainty of C.J. Stroud. You knew that that team could go head-to-head with Georgia and win. You don't have that certainty of this season. Better this season. Hmm. 34% this season, 19% last season. So let's put that in our proverbial pocket. What is more likely to keep Ohio State from a national title? Another team or teams just being better than a very good Ohio State team or something within the Buckeyes, either in talent, coaching, or intangibles, holding them back. What do you think one of those two choices, Nathan? Uh, I'll, I'll say another team just being better. I think it might be – I think we look at this team on paper and we see you know better on defense, some questions on offense, but still playoff caliber. So now is it just a matter of is there a team out there that we just can't – that, you, that we maybe don't understand how good they really are yet and that will emerge and look like an undefeated team. And I think also by saying another team just being better, it includes that includes other teams being able to better navigate their schedules undefeated if OSU can't, if that makes sense. It's not necessarily yeah. that, that they were um, flawed. It's just that um, Florida State, did a better job and then Ohio state and they nudged them out in the playoff thing or whatever. So it's basically a toss up. It's 51% another team or teams, 49% internal. So it's basically split. 
So I did one more that are about like what, let's rank the teams that you think could stand in Ohio State's way. We'll save that for later. This is why I think the 7.62 is a little low because A, more people think this year's team has a chance than last year's team, right? And a bunch of them think it's about the same. And last year, they were right there. And if Marvin Harrison Jr. and Cade Stover and all those guys don't get hurt, then I don't know, right? They're feel, they're right there. And then the I, I, I don't know that there is a super team out there this year. And I and I I want to talk about the possible inherent Ohio State flaws, because I think that's the most interesting conversation here. I really thought the the overall rating would be closer to eight and a half than seven and a half. I thought a lot of people would come in with nines, Nathan, and be like, listen, this team is different, but I think the overall talent level is similar. I think maybe they learned something. Ryan Day learned something from the way last season went. And I'm not staring down the barrel of an opponent that I just can't fathom how Ohio State is going to beat them. So for that reason, man, I'm not going to give them a 10, but I'm a, I'm feeling pretty good about, yeah, I think they have a very legit chance. I'm a nine. So to come in at 7.6 did surprise me a little bit, Nathan, because I think yeah. that's the that's the thought process where I kind of am right now. And I thought maybe more people would be a little more confident. I actually almost guessed a higher number. I I originally thought 8.1 and I was like, maybe that's, maybe it's going to be more like an 8.4. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I was surprised that it's that low, but I would also say it's again, but then they're also saying they think this year's team is going to be better. And it, it, just think of it like the sheer number of third year players that are supposed to be the best players on this team that are going to be leading this. And, and that includes potentially Kyle McCord. But obviously, you know, Trevion Henderson and Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka and JT Zumalau and Jack Sawyer and Denzel Burke. Like, it's it's a bunch of – if you were to try – if you were going to pick your most likely national champion on who will have the most day one and two NFL draft picks right now, that might be Ohio State. What will hold them back? Let's start on the defensive side of the ball. We've talked a lot about, Ohio State has talked a lot about the idea that year two in a Jim Knowles defense, Jim Knowles historically, his defenses have been better every year. They taught so much last year. They didn't let the guys have let it rip on defense. There's so many starters back. At this moment, are you anticipating something defensively that could potentially hold Ohio State back? No. Me neither. I don't ex- expect it necessarily to be great. I think we maybe right. will continue to live a little bit in the world of, man, the defensive line gets close. It'd be nice if they got home a little bit more. But I think the secondary is going to be good. They're so veteran at linebacker. And the talent up front, the talent and experience of JT and Jack and Mike Hall and Ty Hamilton and Tyleek Williams and you know what Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson could bring to the table – for a team that in the past, what has been holding them back, right? More than anything, it's like, well, if you if you were going to list stuff the past couple years since you've been around, you would lean more defense than offense. It feels like they've kind of come out of that. And I, and I don't know that there's a reason right now for anybody to think that. And it's a version of the conversation that we had most of last offseason and in the preseason especially 
Do they got to be top 25, top 20, top 15, top 10, top 5, top 2, top 1 defense? What should they be? What do they need to be? I think it's a version of that conversation continuing, but with more of a belief that whatever you think the standard is for them to compete, they have a better chance of reaching it. So I, I don't know that there are a ton of people in Buckeye land, Buckeye Nation, I think they call it, the kids, walking around being like, I don't know about this defense. I think we're kind of past that, Nathan. Well, and I think people also realize that the standard that this defense needs to attain is so attainable. It's so reachable. We're not, no one's asking this defense to go out and be even the 2019 defense, a shutdown defense. Obviously, the Austin's chances would be better if it was, but that's not what you expect now of a team that wins a national championship as long as you're pairing it with an offense that is as good as this one should be, even with uncertainty at quarterback and, and maybe even offensive line. I was looking back at yards allowed per play. And it, for a long stretch in the playoff era, there was this when Alabama and Clemson were trading off, they were always like first or second best defense in the country. They were just great defenses. But then we got into this era, the 2019 LSU, a team 5.11 yards per play was 29th in the country. 2020 Alabama, 5.04 yards per play was 20th. 2021 Georgia, another outlier, like one of the great defenses. And then last year's Georgia team, 4.88, 15th overall. So you're not asking it's it's demonstrated like last year's Georgia offense wasn't even the caliber of those Alabama LSU offenses right it was it was just really good it executed well and it was balanced um when you look at what Ohio State is so the kind of the conclusion I came to was if you're going to like mark down a factor I would say in a vacuum Ohio State defense must hold opponents under five yards per play for the season and if they had done that last year if it had been 4.99 yards per play instead of what they were which is 5.1 5.18 so about two-tenths of a yard. Um, that would have ranked 23rd nationally. But do we think, I mean, that's a jump instead of being 37th. Do we think that that per game, if you whittle that much per game, I think that accounts for taking away some of those explosive touchdowns uh, because their yards per play allowed really jumped over those last two games. They had made huge strides over 2021, and then those last two games kind of pushed it back to where it was a kind of a, a more modest improvement over 2021. I think if you can choke off some of those explosive touchdowns and almost everything else stays equal, I think you probably see the development that you need to get this team over the hump in the most important games. So let's go to the offensive side of the ball then. The we've got to contextualize the tackle conversation and we've got to contextualize. They're going to have a new quarterback. And do you come to, where do you come down on the possibility of either of those two things? I don't think anyone believes the receivers are going to hold them back. And I don't think anybody really believes that the running backs are going to hold them back as long as they don't all get hurt again. We're not, I don't think there's any reason to be as worried about the tight end position as people were as this podcast was going into last season with the way Cade Stover played last year. Yeah. Depth at tight end, but it's like, I don't know that it's like, well, I think their second tight end is going to hold Ohio state back. That's it. They don't get better play from their second tight end. They just get, I don't think that's where anybody's going to be. So where are you specifically with the tackles and the quarterback about the possibility of like at the end of the year, we would check the box of they just weren't good enough at those spots or one of those spots offensively. And it's the thing that held them back. I'm I'm really curious about the offensive line simply because I, I think that could be one of the boxes we check, but do we end up checking the systemic flaw box 
where like, listen, it was just, it was even worse than we thought. They never figured out tackle. It inhibited the quarterback play. It, it took this offense down a notch. They just couldn't find the guys or this one's maybe a little bit more. It is a more speculative. This team now, since I've been covering it, and if you throw out 2020, but even 2020 wasn't a huge problem, has had really good injury luck on the offensive line. Mm. 2019, Brandon Bowen missed one game. Every All those other starters played every game. Some guys got banged up here and there, but most part, I don't, I don't remember anybody else missing a game. I went back and checked. Throw out 2020. 2021, I don't think any of those guys missed a game from what I remember. And, and Matt Jones was even like, uh, swapping in there every once in a while to keep guys more fresh. In 2022, uh, Dewan Jones um, missed one game. Matt Jones missed the, the Michigan game. But so that's three games missed by offensive line starters in those three seasons, and that's throwing out 2020. So are, are they due for some bad injury luck on the offensive line? Because I think at the end of the day, that might be the biggest problem with the offensive line. It's not that they can't take this collection of guys and find five starters that allow this offense to execute. It's what happens if God forbid something happens to one of, especially maybe those, one of those two interior guys who are your kind of foundational veteran guys right now, especially if something were to happen at, at tackle. And now you don't know what you're doing at left tackle. And that has to kind of be thrown together in the middle of a season. Uh, we don't like to, again, speculate and just wish things, speak those into existence. But just in, from a, a practical matter, I think it's a question of, is the problem the talent? Is the problem finding five offensive linemen? Or is the problem what happens if one of those five can't play? And is that the thing that could sink a season? I was just trying to look it up and I couldn't find it. But I, I do remember, so Demetrius Knox got hurt late in the 2018 season and pave the way for the emergence of Wyatt Davis. It's like, oh, what are they going to do? It's like, I don't know, play the five-star guy who's going to be an All-American. Right. And But I can remember around that time noting how healthy Urban Meyer's offensive lines had been and that they had not dealt with this. And their offensive line made such a jump. You know, the offensive line was so good in 13, for instance, but it's because those guys were healthy, right? And then they... You know, they they had the guys they needed in 14 and they did stay healthy. And I think maybe they might have gone like the first four or five years of the urban era and like literally not missed a start on the offensive line because mm-hmm. of injury. And it really can blow up a season. And of course, by injury, we mean alien abduction. So I think you make a smart point here because we've been so focused on who the t- starting tackles are going to be and how well they're going to play. I think we all do acknowledge that they're living in a world where when you're wondering that much about the starters, of course, then you're wondering about the depth and the depth on the offensive line. If you have two abductions, you could get to a point where you're forcing guys who maybe shouldn't be ready to play to play and what that could mean. So I, but also as much as we've talked about tackle, I don't think there can be anybody listening to this podcast being like, Oh, what's up with tackle? I don't, I am not convinced that tackle will prevent them from doing what they want to do. Right. But it is possible, right? I mean, is that the best way to say it? There, yep. It is also possible, and I think Josh Simmons is a big part of this, the transfer from San Diego State. I think it is certainly possible that Josh Simmons comes out in August. Everybody's like, that guy looks pretty good. He started last year. Like, he can handle this. And that Josh Fryer, 
who had been an important backup on the offensive line is like, I've got this at left tackle. We're going to be okay. I am not Paris Johnson, but it's okay. Stop worrying about it. And that's it. And then those two guys are healthy. And we're in December talking about the playoff. And it wasn't that big of an issue. That's certainly on the table, right? 100%. 100% it is. Uh, and and I, I think that might, if I, as I'm looking into this season and making, starting to get to where I have to make my own predictions, I think that's kind of how it is, how I'm setting it up to go. Because you can't really start factoring in injuries and things like that. Uh, I, I think everything, all else being equal, I think they probably get enough of an offensive line together uh, that it gives the offense enough of a foundation. I don't think McCord or Brown or quarterback uh, uh, yet to be named uh, is running for his life on every pass play. I think they scheme around some of that stuff too. There, there's some smart guys in that room that will look at what their strengths and limitations are and will game plan accordingly. Okay, I agree with that. Still still curious, still yes. on alert, but not sh- not certain that tackle is going to blow their season up. And and I do think, as much as you can't plan for injuries, I do think it's worthwhile talking about depth. Because depth, when we talk about things that held like the 2021 defense back, depth was an issue there. You have a Josh Proctor type event on this offensive line. What does that mean? Right. I, I like that. That's... Oh man, I think a we're proctor for, level. It's like, event. like a meteorologist, a proctor type <laughs> event. It's like, oh man, what's it looking like out there? What's the Doppler showing? Oh, I think we're in store for a, do- a proctor. Now I got myself confused with Doppler and proctor. I love. Do you like looking? You just Google like Doppler radar Columbus. Like if you look up in the sky, not and the even one time. Dart, you just Google Doppler radar Columbus. It comes right up. The, the Dopplers are free now. I think the Dopplers used to behind a, be behind a paywall. That like that's what beating a meteorologist was. You went into the office and they had like a big Doppler and it took up the whole room. And you're like, check the Doppler. And now you can just watch storm clouds slide across your screen and it's be like, oh, yeah, you know, there's it's raining in Indianapolis and it's going to start raining here in uh, 58 minutes. I love. Oh, I love just wherever you are in the world. Think about where are you? Where's the biggest city that you're near? And then you Google that city and Doppler. And then instantaneously, you can watch uh, weather patterns. You don't do that. That seems like a thing that I, you would do. I, You know, when I covered high school sports, you used to do that a lot. You'd be somewhere in the spring or you know, trying to get a football game in. And the AD would be walking around with his phone with like some kind of app on there. Like, oh, you can see the lightning that's coming in here. Like, we're not going to get started for another hour and a half or whatever. Um, but now in my day-to-day life, um, the only thing I check now is, and I don't even check it hour by hour. It's more like, is it going to rain later today? Cause if not, I need to go water the vegetables. Oh yeah. I'll miss that. <laughs> I need to go water the vegetables. Uh, you're welcome to come over and water my vegetables. if you like. <laughs> now that sounds like, Hey, you want to come over and water my vegetables? So the, Sometimes they're like when you look at the weather app on your on your iPhone and it says like it's going to rain and then you go to the Doppler and you're like, no, it's not. Yeah, it's, like, it's not no, going to rain. Gotten... That happened to me the other night because I was going to a local concert at a lo- at a festival in our town. And I was like, oh, it's the 80s band that I like. The 80s band that I like that plays 80 covers, 80s cover songs is uh, retiring af- at the end of like this summer or the end of this year at the very least. And it makes me yeah, sad. So now so you like, know I'm how it feels. To... Ditching out no, on people. Yeah. For real. Oh, for real. Oh, that's what this feels like for people. Oh, it makes me so sad that they're retiring. Oh no, I didn't know it was that. 
but they can play Cure songs and I can't. So I was worried that they were going to get rained out. And so it was like the the my, the Google weather, the iPhone weather thing was showing that it's going to rain. And I looked at the Apple, I was like, it's not going to rain. And then it didn't rain. And then like an hour later, the forecast changed. But then they did blow the fuses twice during the concert. And they ended up stopping early because they kept blowing the fuses. So a Proctor type event on the offensive line would be a problem. What about quarterback? Where are you with, well, maybe there's a possibility that the quarterback play just is not quite there, and that's what we would look back on. So I went back and looked, and we already had a pod that discussed a lot about the passing offense and our predictions for that. Ohio State, just by pass efficiency in the past six years, has been, across all of college football, has been no lower than fifth, except for one year when they were ninth. If you go across Power Five, they've been low, no, no lower than fourth, except for one year when they were sixth. Like they've been a top five passing offense by any metric, um, or it, the pass efficiency is ranked in the top five, and it's even higher when you just take out when you take out Navy or whatever throwing its eight passes a year. And when you look at the quarterback play that results in national championships, it's no surprising. I mean, obviously LSU was second and third in, in efficiency and yards per attempt. Alabama was first and first, but Georgia even fourth and sixth in 21 and sixth and fifth in 2022. So incredibly efficient passing offense. I think the way that this game has turned might be a prerequisite because it, it wasn't the case when Alabama, Georgia or Alabama and Clemson were winning those championships. Um, those teams were not as highly ranked they were still pretty good, most of the part, but but not that highly ranked. Those teams were much more um, defensively led and, you know, had stronger running games and things like that. But it feels like the game has shifted to where you have to have a highly efficient passing game that also can be explosive. So if there's any interruption to that, if either because of the offensive line is worse than we think it's going to be or because McCord and Brown just don't have it or struggle or whatever, then I think that could be an obstacle. I think that is maybe the internal obstacle that we can't see right in front of us that, and I guess we sort of do, we know that they're, they're inexperienced. Uh, that could be the thing that pulls them down from being championship caliber. And I do think that could be coupled with, and this probably is more of a sports writer thing than an actual football thing is like losing the quarterback showdown that, you, th- you look back on the Notre Dame game and it's like Sam Hartman made these three or four throws mm-hmm. that changed the game and Ohio State missed these three or four throws that you know Marvin was open and just a, was a little bit high or Mecca was open and it was just a little bit late or the play call was good, but the quarterback just didn't see the linebacker underneath the way that Notre Dame called the defense and he hit through a pick, right? Whereas Sam Hartman didn't do that. Or I don't know. I, I don't, I think this is less likely, but like in the Wisconsin game, Tanner Mordecai, the SMU transfer, who's going to be the quarterback from Wisconsin has been around the block, like where he doesn't do that. Or maybe JJ McCarthy, who has a whole year starting experience at Michigan, doesn't do that. Or in the playoff, it's just like Caleb Williams for USC made throws and Ohio State didn't make as many throws or Jordan Travis at Florida State or again, that part of it is at Georgia or Alabama, especially like, would you be worried about that? Jaden Daniels at LSU maybe would do it if if Bo Nix at Oregon or Michael Penix at Washington gets in. I just I do think that is possible. So I'm pretty much the same 
place where I am with the tackles where I'm not predicting that. I wouldn't predict that. That no, no. The quarterback play holds them back. But I think the combination of new quarterback and new tackles, when you combine those, if you think that maybe, I don't know, would you think there's a a 30% chance that the tackles hold them back? Tackle slash offensive line and a 15% chance that the quarterback play holds them back. And then that's some, not quite 50% chance, but some chance that there's something with the offense that's not quite good enough. And if they don't win the national title, when we look back on it, we would check the box of something held them back internally. Yeah, I think that's fair because I think you still look, even if you expect defensive improvement, this is a team that's going to have to be led and driven by this offense. And, and that's what the program is built around at this point. So that, that should be the case anyway. But it's also important to remember that it's more that there's a new quarterback where there's a there's a new quarterback with a reasonable level of certainty that they will perform at a certain level, partially because that's how the program is designed, partially because that's yeah. with recruiting pedigree those guys come from. It's not that they yep. have new tackles on the offensive line. Like, I don't want to disparage these guys. It's not that they're new. It's that nobody knows if they're good enough. Nobody knows if they're good enough to win at a national championship level. And part of it is pedigree. Part of it is some things we saw this spring. That's the answer that's got to that's got to come there. Now, what does how does does one affect the other? Does the offensive line affect the the passing game, the quarterback situation enough to throw that off. I think that is, uh, you can speculate about that. I just think that they will find a way to get around that as that, at, at least early on, as that team kind of can grow together a little bit. I do think it's possible. And, and, you know, we don't try to be alarmist here, but we just try to tell you what we think and what to be aware of, but it's like Ohio state aware of. So the idea that, you know, there's a 30% chance that maybe the offensive line holds them back. I do think there might be people listening who'd be like, what are you talking about? I gave them a five because I thought there was an 80% chance the offensive line would hold them back the way you guys have talked about offensive line all offseason. You know, and it's like, well, everything is within an Ohio State context. Everything is within the idea of you just lost DeWan Jones, Luke Whipler, and Paris Johnson. And so in an expectation, we're like, well... Last year, they had the best pair of tackles in the country. And now this year, they might have the 25th best pair of tackles in the country. But they don't have the 119th best pair of tackles in the country, right? So I do think, but even the idea of anything on the offense having a 30% chance of holding them back is high for Ohio State. Because a lot of times you would just be like, no, they're nothing. It's the best offense in the country. What are you talking about? And so... It's just that it's with uh, it's against it's Ohio State's own standard that we have a discussion like this, but it is not a certainty that it's going to happen. And actually, it's more likely that they are fine in those areas and then they are very good in other areas and that they wind up with one of the three best offenses in the country. That actually is the more likely outcome, but it's not a it's not an an eight to one favorite. No, it's not a, wait, uh, I should be better about gambling because it's on my phone. Anyway, it's not as heavy of a favorite for that to happen as maybe it has been in other years. You know, it's looking back on 2019, where there were obvious questions. We're going to send you out as nine and three, Doug. There were obvious questions about that team. (laughs) And, And for good reason, like, we hadn't seen Justin Fields be a starting quarterback at any level. He's coming in, new system, et cetera, et cetera. How is it going to work? Um, we don't know. 
We don't know at that point. We don't know. I mean, that defense was bad in 2018, and a lot of those guys were back, and it was reasonable to question whether those guys were good enough to be a championship-caliber defense. And over the course of that season, or actually pretty immediately that season, I remember talking to you, um, you know, it was hard to tell maybe from the opener against Florida Atlantic, but really after they waxed Cincinnati, now it's like, okay, this is just a playoff team. It, you, you knew it pretty quick. Like, and so this is a tougher schedule though. So we're going to get to that in a second. I know maybe this is the segue, but like the other thing to remember here is you can talk about flaws in a vacuum. It's really more about how vulnerable does it leave you against the schedule you're going to play. So let's do that. I ranked, I offered seven teams to rank of who, who of these, you know, rank these seven from most likely to least likely to stand in the way of Ohio State. Four of them are on the schedule. At Michigan, at Notre Dame, at Wisconsin, home against Penn State. And then I ranked three national teams, Georgia, Alabama, and then USC because of Caleb Williams, because of the top end ability of that USC offense, you know. They certainly could win the Pac-12 and get in, and that'd be a humdinger of a game if we got to that point. What team do you believe won the ranking of the one that is the, to most likely stand in Ohio State's way? I think you have to look at this in a pretty practical way, and I put Michigan number one, and I think that's who it should be. Michigan at 1.9 did win. Georgia was second at 2.04, which is very close behind, and then a big gap. Penn State third, Alabama fourth, Notre Dame fifth, USC sixth, Wisconsin seventh. So Wisconsin's probably a top 25 team. It's on the road. It's kind of at an interesting spot in the schedule for Ohio State, but nobody's really worried about that. USC, they have real defensive questions. Are they even going to get through? I understand why they're that low. Notre Dame didn't get a whole ton of support. I do just think you've got, you know, Phil Steele said he has that as a, as a toss-up game. I think we've talked about Sam Hartman enough as an experienced transfer quarterback from Wake Forest. I think that has to be on the radar. I think people do respect Penn State and what they could do, but it really is a Michigan-Georgia conversation. And so I think Michigan's going to be good. I actually have some questions about Georgia, but they have such a depth of talent and they're the two-time defending national champ. There's a lot to respect there and they have a super easy schedule. Like, I think it's very possible that they're there. I don't know how good they have to be to even be there. Cause I think they're not going to be tested that much right. during the regular season, but I don't know coming off last year that there's much that you would look at with Georgia and really feel like they're going to block Ohio state. So I would rank Michigan first on this list, as you just said, because it's in Ann Arbor, Michigan has a lot back. There is something intangible here. Now, does Ohio State swing that as an underdog? Ohio State's motivation? Does Michigan get fat and happy? I don't know which way it goes, but it's certainly an unusual situation in this era for Ohio State to have lost two in a row to Michigan. It's certainly possible that Ohio State's excellent and Michigan is a legitimate roadblock. Well, I mean, but again, it's like, so the way I ranked them, I had Michigan and Penn State 1-2. And then I had Wisconsin, Notre Dame, three, four, because again, it's, I think I look at this collection of teams and say, I don't think there's a team. I don't think it's more about how, who blocks you from even getting to the playoff, because this right now, as I'm looking at it, looks like a season where as long as you get in the playoff, you can win. If you're Ohio state, from what we know now about Ohio state and what we know about other teams, if Ohio state gets in the playoff, we'll know that they are of a certain level. 2016 kind of accepted, but I think we can say that about this year. And if 
once they're there, I don't look at these other teams and say there's somebody there, as we said before, that's a super team. So Michigan and Penn State, I had one, two. Then I had Wisconsin, Notre Dame, because if Ohio State loses either of those games but wins out, it's going to the playoff. It'll be the big team champion and it's going to the playoff. Most yeah. likely. Like the, yep. if, the, if the one loss that you have, because I know they didn't get in with the one loss from Purdue in 2018, but that was on the road at a middling Purdue team. This would be against teams that we expect to be pretty good. And then I had USC fifth, because I think that's maybe the one that's the would be the biggest spoiler. And then Alabama, Georgia, seventh, sixth and seventh. But USC could be the team that otherwise um, has the surprise kind of year that pushes somebody out is how I looked at it. But I think you have to be most concerned with the teams right in front of you because with this Ohio State team, because as long as they can get as long as they can get to Indianapolis and win that game, I think they go to the playoff. And if they can get to the playoff, they can win a national championship this year. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people other places looking at Ohio State. This is Market Down Matthew in Upper Arlington. Enjoy this past year, Doug. Ohio State is winning the national championship this year. Mark it down. So, like, he's like, hey, you know, good luck on the way out. But just so you know, <laughs> you're leaving Cleveland.com as Cleveland.com prepares to cover a national championship team. Which, again, leads me back to I'm a little surprised by the 7.6. Because I think maybe Georgia fans would be higher than a 7.6. Michigan fans might be higher than a 7.6 for all the reasons we talked about Michigan. I don't know that anybody else in the country would be higher than a 7.6. Maybe USC, they've got some defensive transfers on the defensive line. Their passing game should be pretty good. You think year two of Lincoln Riley, just like you think, oh, year two of Jim Knowles, it'll be better. Year two of Lincoln Riley at USC, it should be better. Maybe they'd be higher than a 7.6. But this team is positioned. And I do think in the end, what do you think is more likely? So if you had to pick, they are held back. Something prevents them. They don't win the national championship. Would you imagine it's more external? They just played a team that was better and there wasn't anything more Ohio State could do? Or do you think it would be something that, well, you know, they lost a game in the regular season or lost two games in the regular season or lost a playoff game and it was like, man, like that. They should have beaten that team, but they had this one thing that they were not very good at, and that's why they lost. What is it? What's more likely if they don't get there? I mean, then there, there's also there is another thing where it's like just getting into that a, a big glut of one loss teams, and you don't win the vote or whatever. Too, that is a problem here. If you lose to Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, all beat each other. Ohio State doesn't get to go to the Big Ten championship game, and then thus gets. It ends up fifth instead of fourth, whatever. You know, there's there's that happening here too, where maybe that falls into the bad luck thing. I don't know. Um, but of those two, of those two, I guess I would have to say maybe it would be internal then. That like we're wrong about the defense. It doesn't take enough of a step forward, or something happens with the offense that it dips just enough that it leaves it more vulnerable against this schedule to to not even be able to get to the playoff. So I, I do think it's that it would be something a little bit internal that it, there's just something, something where I don't know what it would be defensively that like, it's like, Oh, like that would be a little bit of a surprise. I think that, because I think the thing defensively would almost feel like more like an injury kind of thing or a luck kind of thing where it's like, because it feels it's, like there's enough pieces in place. Right. 
the, yeah, because again, defensively, go back and look at the numbers. Like we could, you could correctly write about, especially going even going into the Maryland game, especially got a little wank, wank, wonky against Maryland. But those first ten games, it was a clear improvement over statistically, metrically, where that defense was a year before. And then it really tailed off, and especially the you know the explosive plays at the end of the Michigan game pushed even farther. So if you I think choking off explosive touchdowns is different than a, trying to fix a defense that's just getting gashed. You know what I mean? Like one is tweaking something. One is having to kind of rebuild something. They've had a year, well, not a full year, but seven months now or whatever to, to tweak. Um, whether that's make some individual developments on uh, in the secondary, whether that is further developing some young players that we think could be key players on this defense. And it's also a defense that because of that, I think it's going to grow. It should could improve throughout the year. There could be someone like a Sonny Styles, like a CJ Hicks, whose role expands over the course of the year when their um, innate talent catches up with their readiness to use it on the field. So I do think it's, it's, it's more likely that if it's internal, I think the most likely thing is an internal thing offensively. New quarterback, uncertainty in spots on the offensive line, new play caller and Brian Hartline, how the Ryan Day, Brian Hartline thing will go. And it might even be one of those things where like the offense is ranked higher statistically than the defense is. But when you look at it, you'd be like, eh, it was the offense that didn't live up to its own standard in a way. And that's why they lost that game because they couldn't go on a game winning drive at the end because they only scored six points in the second half because they turned the ball over when they couldn't turn it over because their play calling stalled them out in the middle of the game because they couldn't convert in the red zone or whatever. And they wind up losing a game that you feel like, man, I don't think they should have lost that game, but they lost it 31 to 26 when it felt like, man, like, ah, like Marv only had three catches for 62 yards in that game. Like they, they didn't, you know what I mean? Like that, it felt like Ohio state should have won it. Like I, so, or they just do their thing. Like, I, again, I don't think that's going to happen. I'll make my prediction, but I'll do it at the end. And so let's run through history real quick. And we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right. So the old timers here, I mean, I, people are aware of the past. So 2018, I said it was internal. I said it was the defense and they lose to Purdue, right? It's like, I don't know. It wasn't like they played. They didn't play a team that they couldn't handle. They lost to Purdue because their defense couldn't tackle anybody. And then that defense showed up against Maryland again. So I thought that was defense. 2017, I put opponent first because they just lost to Oklahoma. Oklahoma came in and like stomped them because Oklahoma was better that year. And But it was also, I I couldn't decide whether to add something internal because it was the first year of Ryan Day as the offensive coordinator you know, the the offense was so bad. JT Barrett threw all those picks in the Iowa game. Was it like, was there something still not quite right with the offense? But I do think it was more like they weren't as good as Oklahoma. And so that was the main thing. And then it's like, how did you try to figure out what the second loss to Iowa meant? So I had a little trouble there if it should be two things or not. 16, I put two things. One was Clemson was better. And the other one was the offense, which is why they brought in Ryan Day, the 2016 offense, as we covered in the Michigan game, run by Tim Weck, yeah. Tim Beck and Ed Warner. Was like, it was like a, a middle school offense. It was like, I can't believe this is how they tried to play offense. So that was more internal, but they also played an external foe that was like, well, you would have had to be been a lot better to beat Clemson that year compared to what you have. 15 all internal. 
motivation. They slogged their way through the beginning of the year. They didn't figure out the quarterback situation. They were the most talented team in the country. They should have had a chance to repeat. They might have run into a good Clemson or Alabama team, but that's internal 15. That's not external. That's internal. 14, they won it. 13, I just put that they were, it was internal. They kind of were just leaking a little bit by the end of the year that they won 24 state regular season games to start the Urban Meyer era, but they almost lost to Michigan. And then they did lose to Michigan State. And I just think they were kind of out of gas. It wasn't that they couldn't beat Michigan State, but also the Christian Bryant injury destroyed them. So that was one of the three years where I put injury and luck, but they had they had one key injury in the secondary and they were reluctant to play Von Bell and it hurt. But it was more like they just were, I felt like running out of juice at the end. 2012 was the other year where I put outside things because they went 12-0 and and they weren't allowed to compete because of the sanctions. So I didn't put anything on the field, internal or external, because they went 12-0, and but they couldn't win the national championship because they were banned. So... That's the third outside thing. Because the only three things that were out of their control in the 16 years, the 16 seasons, 2012 sanctions, the 2013 Christian Bryan injury, and the 2022 injuries against Georgia that just piled up in the second half. 2010, I put internal. They lost at Wisconsin, but I thought they didn't. Ha- like, it was them not handling the number one ranking. It wasn't like they couldn't beat Wisconsin. Yeah, it's tough to win in Camp Randall, that kind of thing, but they were better. And then they would have taken their shot. Like, take your shot in 2010. As we covered on the loss, you would want to change. 2009, they lost to USC, but that was a weird game. It was a weird low-scoring game. I just thought they got a big head, and they were a little full of themselves, and Purdue jumped up and got them. I thought they were talented enough, as they then showed in the Rose Bowl against Oregon. So I don't think they would have been unable to compete. So I thought that was internal. 2008, all these guys come back after two national championship losses. They get destroyed by USC 35 to three in week three. And then it was like, okay, like that start over with Terrell Pryor. They just weren't good enough that year. And they weren't good enough against Texas at the end. That was more external. That overall talent level, even though they were so experienced, just wasn't quite good enough. And USC and Mark Sanchez and Ray Maliuga, all those guys should prove that. 2007 was hard. I kind of put both. I think they almost kind of overachieved in some ways to even get to the national title game. I just think overall, maybe the talent level wasn't quite there, which is the internal thing. I don't think it was a devastating flaw as much as like, ah, just not quite good enough. And then I did put an out an, an external opponent in LSU. They hung, Ohio State hung with LSU for a while in the championship game, but I do think LSU was better. So I had both that year. 2006, Pure motivation. Jim Tressel just talked about it on Chris Holtman's podcast. Like they couldn't get their attention in bowl prep. They weren't less talented than Florida. Now, I did not add the luck injury thing with the Ted Ginn Jr. injury. You could, but also it's 41-14. It's not 17-14. So like, would that have saved them totally? It certainly affected the game. So if people want to throw in, in addition to the fact that they just didn't get themselves ready to play, If you want to throw in Ted Ginn Jr. as the second thing that year, I get it. And then 2005, I did put opponent because Vince Young was Vince Young and they lost to Texas. But I also put they didn't have the quarterback situation ready for that game against Texas because Troy was coming off a suspension in week one and they were playing Justin's Wick and Troy Smith in that game and that jacked things up and then they dropped the touchdown in the end zone. So it's like you catch that ball like they were good enough to hang with Texas but also Texas was Texas, the eventual national champ. So I had both that year. There was an external opponent in Texas that when Ohio State 
sort of made the quarterback situation complicated and didn't catch touchdowns that were in their hands, Texas took advantage and beat them. So overall, that's how I went through that. There is, it's interesting to me, one of the things, Nathan, is like there's a big gap, and maybe it's because they never got there, but it's like sort of the start of the Saban era. Nine, so uh, uh, 11 I threw out. But like 9, 10, 12, 13, 15, and 14 they won it. I didn't have opponent stopping them any of those years. It was all things that felt like they had a chance to be good enough, and they weren't. So in the end, do you think it's fair to say with the level that Ohio State is at, even though at times on this podcast we've talked about super teams, we've noted the years when Bama's a monster, when LSU's a monster, when Georgia's a monster. More often than not, more likely than not, the thing that prevents Ohio State from winning a national championship is something within themselves rather than somebody else just being too good. Yes, but I think that is also true of a handful of good teams every year that are good but aren't quite good. Again, we're talking about the highest possible standard. Like, you have very little, if any, room for error. You want to win a national championship. Like, you know, and you need breaks, too. The 2014 team, if if, if something else in that season, maybe that they couldn't even control, had gone another way, and now you don't even get in the playoff, we're not talking, we're talking about what was it that held that team back from not winning a national championship instead of the being the last team that won one. And so sometimes you just have to get a break too, depending on to, to even be whether you're counted on that list or not. So I'll reveal what I said on the college football survivor show. And Shahan yelled at me. The very difficult thing that I feel like is impossible to do in July, Nathan, in a four team playoff world is if you're making predictions about the playoff, you are making a prediction about the Ohio State-Michigan game. And I don't know. I do not have a firm grasp on who I think is going to win the Ohio State-Michigan game. But it's in Ann Arbor, and Michigan has a lot back, and I think Ohio State's going to be very good. But it is, I mean, it's kind of weird to do a podcast in July about who you think is going to win the national championship. But I feel like that is as big of a regular season game that just halts everything when you're trying to analyze this more so than a typical season for any great team that right that I don't know it, and and because again it feels like dueling discussions that the discussion about who's going to win the Ohio State Michigan game is not the same thing as which of those two teams would be more likely to win the national championship it's not the same thing right even though of course they are related like it, can we like do you would how do you try to think about that in July the Ohio State Michigan game and then the context it's it's crushing my brain just as it is with you right now because um every metric you look at says that it's a toss up Vegas says it's a toss up Tishu says it's a toss up go look at a lot of other things that'll tell you it's basically a toss up especially when you consider the the road game factor of it um but that now that if you factor that into it, it does tell you that a lot of places say Ohio State is maybe the slightly better collection of talent, at least slightly better. So that's what's hard to figure right now is 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 there an X factor here that you have to apply? It's it's a degree of difficulty that Ohio State is playing with in this game a little bit. They they have to be better than they would in another week to overcome themselves a little bit and win that game is there a mental block here or have we made too much of that that it was they played a good team um it went 
the other way for two years in a row, just as it had gone their way for so many years before that. And they could, they could just easily win it this year. So when you're trying to analyze this kind of stuff, I think it's much easier for Ohio State to make the playoff at 11-1 and because of their schedule, because they played Notre Dame in the non-conference, because they play at Wisconsin in a crossover. I think Michigan might not make it at 11-1 and if they're not the Big Ten champ because their schedule is easy, their non-conference is easy, they're, you know, they don't have a foe like, like Notre Dame, they're cro- they don't have a crossover like, like Wisconsin. So for that reason, and because I've said I think Michigan is good, I wound up saying that I think Michigan will be the undefeated number one seed in the playoff. I think Georgia is going to skate through, but I'm still not sure exactly how awesome they're going to be compared to the last two Georgias. I have Georgia as undefeated number two seed. I have Ohio State as the three seed. One loss, Big Ten, second best team in the Big Ten, beating Notre Dame, beating Wisconsin, beating Penn State, but losing to Michigan, being the three seed. And then I really like Florida State. I can't get off Florida State. So I did not predict Florida State to go undefeated, which why is I had them as the four seed. They play LSU in their opener. They play Clemson in the regular season. And then with the ACC not having divisions, they very possibly will play Clemson again in the title game. So are they going to win all three of those games? I said no. Then I have Florida State over Michigan, and I have Ohio State beating Georgia in the rematch. Get a rematch of that semifinal would be awesome. And I have an Ohio State-Florida State national title game, and I pick Florida State because I'm just so in on Florida State. I think in that matchup, it's possible they would have the better quarterback. I think they might have the better edge guy with Jared Verse. I think the receivers might be almost as good as Ohio State's with the addition of Keon Coleman, the Michigan State transfer. Their offensive line is incredibly experienced. They have so many guys back there. They threw a transfer in there. They did well in the portal. I think their secondary, I think their corners are pretty good. I think they match up pretty well. And they're a blue blood that like they haven't been lately, but I think Jordan Travis might be my Heisman pick, the Florida State quarterback. I've said before, I think he might be in line for like a Troy Smith 2006 kind of season where he's the leader and the focal point and maybe not ridiculous stats, but like the engine that makes Florida State go. So I don't even know. I'm not like planning my seminal flag, but the way I've talked about on the Survivor Show is I think there are five, like the five most likely playoff teams. I think it's two SEC teams, two Big Ten teams, and then Florida State. Maybe Clemson, if Garrett Riley is great as the new offensive coordinator and Cade Klubnick has a great year at quarterback in his first year as a starter. He's a five-star guy. Clemson has a lot back defensively. They have the best defense in the ACC. So it could be Clemson. I just I think the Pac-12 is too good. I don't think the Big 12 is good enough for them to get a team in. So I wound up with two Big Ten teams. I'm also not planning my flag that I'm sure that Michigan is going to beat Ohio State. But I, I just think they're two of the four best teams, Nathan. And if you think Ohio State's going to win, it gets tough for Michigan in a very real way. So that's not a reason to make – that's not the way I'll pick the game in November, but it's affecting the way I'm picking it now because I'm trying to find a way to get both of them in the playoff. And Ohio State is just more likely to be that because of their schedule. Do you feel like I'm a crazy person? No, I think that's a a, a well-reasoned way to look at things as as we sit here this far out and – I haven't gone yet and done my game-by-game predictions, even for the, the Big Ten. Um, so I don't exactly know how I'm going to pick that. It f- Looking at it from afar, though, you know, I had Tishu on here while you were gone, and he um, made the statement, this is somebody who, while he doesn't bet on you, Ohio State, it's because he roots so heavily for Ohio State, um, said he thinks it's more likely they go 10-2 and than they go 12-0. and 
because of the schedule and because of and because not necessarily even because of big flaws for them. It's because they, there's some other good teams on this schedule. So there's enough games that have enough variance that that could that could, they could end up that way. And I think I probably I assume that when I break it down, I will probably find a loss somewhere. So now is it an 11 and one Ohio State that lost to somebody else, but then beat Michigan and get, and wins a Big Ten and goes to the playoff? Or is it an 11-1 Ohio State team that loses to Michigan and gets in anyway? Or is there a loss there that um, is kind of the landmine that takes out the season? It's hard because sometimes you can be here in the offseason and be like, no, you can you can get to 12-0. and Like, they're good. It's oh, hard sure. to go 12-0. and It is really hard to go 12-0. and And you can be excellent and not be 12-0. and And the reminder is they don't have to be 12-0. and So... You know, that's 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 where I am now. And I wanted to get that on the record on the podcast where I've spent the last eight years of my life. So I, I felt like I owed that to you guys before I got out of here. And so we wanted to do this. We have uh, one more podcast left on Friday where Nathan will be here. I will be here. Steven is on vacation still. So Steven's been on vacation for two weeks. So that's why he hasn't been around. You know, we try as much as we can to record some pods ahead sometime. And you'll hear, you know, a guy drop in on a market down Monday or whatever. It's like, well, we recorded that ahead. We didn't get as many recorded ahead before Steven left. So that's just the reality of this. Um, I don't know. It'd be great for the three of us to get back together before I get out of here. I also think I, you know, if you guys will have me, I could maybe come back sometime as a, as a uh, guest on Buckeye Talk. Although if I'm a guest, I have to host. No, I'm not going to host as a guest. I can let it go. No, I, I can't. No, I'll let it go. I'll let it go. So we'll be back Friday. The two of us at least, maybe somebody else will join us. We'll see. And then maybe we'll try to make something happen uh, to get Steven back on at some point to, so the three of us can have one final time together. But for now, we wanted to talk about this football team and let you know where we sit heading into Big Ten Media Days heading into the preseason, heading into my departure, and that's where we are. For Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.